good. A couple of you are. Amen. Well, you're going to be blessed by the word of God. Amen. I want you to declare this morning that my mind is alert. My heart is open. My spirit is ready. I'm faith-filled. Amen. Amen. Well, we have a few less people here this morning in our first service because we have a special wedding vow renewal in our second service. So many of the couples that would have been here will be in our second service. But we believe that God is here and with us this morning and that as we look into the word of God, light is going to shine, joy is going to come. You know, I was reading my daily Bible reading and I believe it was in Jeremiah or one of the Psalms where it just says that your word brings joy to my heart. Your word brings joy to my heart. And uh, amen. So we believe and we look into the word of God. If you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 to 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, there are six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they fill them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the wine that was made, the water that was made wine, he did not know where it had come from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then that which is inferior, but you have kept the good wine until now. Verse 11, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Can we pray one more time? Father, let the word of God minister to our hearts. Lord, we call out to you, God, for the presence and the power of your spirit upon the word of God, but also upon our hearts and our minds to receive the word by faith. Let your word not return void, but let it prosper in the thing for which you sent it. Let it fulfill the purpose that you have for the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As I mentioned in our second service, we have a special vow renewal for close to 20 couples. I'm excited about that. And you know, we're praying and believing for a in every couple. We have one couple who's only been married one year, and then we have another couple who's been married 52 years. You know, I, I think in some ways, the wedding vow renewal is more significant than the actual I do at the wedding. You know why? Because now we know each other. We're saying yes again. Even though we don't have, the, we, we no longer have those unrealistic expectations. 
you know, no overly idealistic hopes or expectations, but in a sense, we are saying yes again to a person who before we married them, we thought they were perfect. But now we've seen reality has set in, but God has worked in the hearts of his people and produced the love. So we're thankful for that. In a wedding, in a marriage, in a vow renewal, and in life, the most important guest is Jesus. The most important guest is the Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage of scripture, we see and we learn in the Gospel of John, the scriptures say very clearly that this is Jesus' first recorded miracle. And his disciples at this point now really begin to believe in him. They were following him. They were beginning the process of uh, following this rabbi. They were being discipled. But this confirmed their faith. This for them caused them to really believe in him. The scriptures tell us that in verse 11. And what's interesting to me, what's significant to me, is it all happened at a wedding. You know, when I perform a wedding, I mention in my introductory remarks um, just the, the significance of weddings in the Bible. How God ordained weddings, how God, uh, weddings are special in the eyes of God. And I always rem uh, make reference to, to this verse of scripture, to this passage, because it shows me that Jesus would grace a wedding with his presence, but also would perform his first miracle there. So that tells me how important weddings are in the eyes of God. Can you say amen? amen? But when you go to a wedding reception, when you first enter the hall, there's usually a table. And that table has these little cards that are folded over. Sometimes they're written out some in calligraphy or sometimes they're typed out. And, and those cards have your name on it, the name of your guest, and they will have your table number, where you will be seated. And it's very interesting because when you go in there, sometimes you're looking for your name and you're wondering, you don't see your name, that they forget I was coming. You know, maybe you have to look a little further and then you look and you see, my, I'm at table number 97. I'm in the nosebleed section. Um, but we, we look at those things and we, we prepare ourselves and we wonder. And here is Jesus. He wasn't a wedding crasher. He didn't just show up. He was invited. And you see, in our relationship with God to grow and develop in our faith and in our marriage, in all areas of our life, Jesus is and must be the most important guest Two thoughts I want to quickly share with you from this passage of Scripture. Number one, invite Jesus. Invite Jesus. Look at verses 1 and 2. It says that there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now verse, look at verse 2. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. They were invited. They were specifically chosen and asked to attend the wedding. Now last Sunday I shared a similar thought about welcoming Jesus and I believe this is so critically important that we, we look at it from a different angle but we, we re-emphasize that point that the most important guest 
in our life, in our wedding, in, in every area, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, the scriptures tell us two are better than one. And a three-fold cord is not easily or quickly broken or severed. That third strand in a relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a ministry relationship, that third strand, that third cord is what puts it all together, what reinforces and strengthens that tie, that bond. And we understand that this morning, how critically important in everything that Jesus is that threefold cord. You see, we come to find out in life that you can go it alone for a while. You can get by in some seasons of life. But you come to a place, and I think all of us have, and I think people all over, no matter whether they're believers in Jesus or not, whether they have faith or not, they come to a place that they realize that, that they need something beyond themselves. That need is God. You see, we were created to be in relationship with God. We need God in our lives. What, what really uh, sobers me up or, or, or makes me question and wonder in life is when I see people go through severe sickness and even death of a loved one, and I say, how do they do it without God? Think about it. How hopeless and helpless you can be at that moment, that critical, that crisis in your life. And you realize how desperately you do need God. And I know in my own life, without God, I wouldn't be here today. Without God, I couldn't make it. I couldn't handle I couldn't deal with it. But, but I understand that God is here with us. And when you invite him and he's there, it makes all the difference. John chapter 1 verse 12 says of Jesus that he came unto his own. But his own received him not. Think about that, how, how shocking that is to, to think of Jesus coming as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. The one, the Messiah, coming to his own people who knew the Old Testament. They knew the prophecies. They knew the word of God. The Bible says he came unto his own, but his own did not receive him. They really didn't invite him in. What a sad and tragic verse, but I'm glad it's one of those verses that doesn't end there. But the Bible goes on to say, but to as many as received him, to as many as welcomed him in, to them he gave the power to become children of God. That word power means authority. That means that you and I, by the decree and the plan and purpose of God, in the eons of history and time, God declared and said, you are my child. You're not born of the flesh, but you're born of the spirit. This is a work of God. Thank God for that this morning. The Bible tells us that Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. I think that's significant. Not only was Jesus, but his, his disciples. They were invited to the wedding. What that speaks of is their influence, their presence, the light, and the blessing that they brought into the atmosphere. You know some people are going to bring an atmosphere with them wherever they go. You know, you've heard it said, that person, when they walk in the room, they light up the room, right? And then that other person, when they walk in the room, that sucking sound that you hear is life going out of that room. 
but your presence makes a difference. And, and when Christian presence, when Jesus' presence, when his disciples' presence, it makes all the difference. It turns around the atmosphere. Let me tell you, you know, you, know, you are who you hang around with. It's been said, you probably, parents, you told your children this, you know, you tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. You are who you hang around with. Why? Because that relationship, that friendship speaks into, it influences, it, it creates a narrative in your life, and it makes all the difference. These people were wise enough. This married couple, we don't know their names, but the Bible says they invited Jesus and they invited his disciples. Who is speaking into your life? Who is influencing you? I have certain people outside of the church in ministry, pastors and mentors, and, and, and I know their convictions. I know their faith. I know their lifestyle. I've followed it, and they, they speak into my life. They make a difference. Why? Because I know where they're coming from, and they bring blessing. Do you have people in your life? Do you hang out with people that are like that? You know, there were kings that were mentioned in the Old Testament. In Samuel, uh, in, in First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, it would mention the reign of the king. It would mention he reigned for twenty something years, and then there would be a, a another verse after that. It was almost like a footnote, and it would say it was during the times of Zechariah the prophet, Haggai the prophet, and that wasn't just a historical note. It wasn't just giving you a date and a time. It was setting it in a context you know that they had the influence of the prophets. They had the influence of those who were speaking the word of God. And that's what strengthened their leadership. That's what strengthened the kingdom. But you know, conversely, there would be other kings that would be mentioned. And it would say there were the prophets of Baal. They would be the false prophets. So what was that saying? Again, it was speaking of the influence that it had on their leadership. This is a critical thing. Who do you hang out with? Do they speak well of God? Do they speak well of the Bible? Do they speak well of the church? Or are they tearing down the things of God? Do you have people that, you, that are influencing you that are negative? They're critical. They tear down the church. They tear down leadership. They tear down pastors. You see, you're going to either be influenced for good or for evil. You're either going to be influenced towards God or away from God. The, this couple, they invited Jesus and his disciples. And you know what? That was a good idea. I said that was a good idea. They knew what Jesus and his disciples were going to bring. And don't you worry if you don't get invited to certain parties. Don't you worry if you don't even get invited somewhere. You know why? Because they know what you're going to bring. And if they don't want you there, it's okay. Don't go. Don't go where you're tolerated. Go where you're celebrated. Amen? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness with ungodly and wicked people. But they invited Jesus into their wedding but it was really into their lives. And that was a good idea. You know why? Because they had a problem. Imagine. They didn't even get, you know, you know, usually what you say, well, they're on the honeymoon period. 
everything's just blissful, everything's just peaceful. They didn't even have a honeymoon period because at their wedding they had a problem. They ran out of refreshments. Hmm. They had a problem. They ran out of wine. Now, at a, at a wedding, especially in the first century, this was a great embarrassment for the host, for the couple, for everyone that was involved. You know, when you go to a wedding, we go for the bride and the groom. But if we're going to be honest, we go for the food. Oh, come on, don't be so holy and so spiritual. Did you ever go to a wedding and it's a little late and the food coming out? People start banging their forks on the table. They start looking around, calling the waiter over. Can we have some bread? Can we have some? Can we have some? I mean, isn't that true? And I have learned in life, it don't matter where the venue is, it don't matter what it looks like, the decorations, those are all fine and good. But you know what? People want to leave and say, that was a good meal. Come on, hello? They had a problem. It was, it was really a social catastrophe. Great embarrassment. Why? Because the guests couldn't pick up Chinese food on the way home. There was no galaxy, no Asia grill. They couldn't, they couldn't go and pick up something on the way. They came and the celebration was awesome, it was great. But if the food or the drink was not there, it was a problem. But I'm so glad, or they, they were so glad they invited Jesus. And I'm glad he came. You know, many times at a wedding, you'll, you'll, you'll see all at the end of the, the night, there are still cards there, people who don't show. They made reservations or they, they responded, but they didn't show. I remember many years ago, uh, we had one of, uh, a mayor, the mayor of Providence back then. I won't mention, mention his name, but um, we invited him to one of our events. Uh, we had a, a special event. And... He came so late, and we found out later the reason why he came so late to the meeting, to the event, was because he had his driver circling around, and he was waiting till more cars were there. He was waiting. He wanted to come in with a grand entry. He wanted to maximize his voting. <laughs> so, so he waited, and he delayed, and, and it was all about him. But for Jesus, he came for the people. Jesus said to us, he says to you and I, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You learn of me, you can learn that I'm meek and I'm lowly of heart. Think about the demeanor, think about the nature, think about the heart of Jesus. He described himself as meek. They invited Jesus. He came. I'm telling you this morning, if you invite Jesus, he will come. Jesus himself even said it's not about numbers. He doesn't wait at the outside of the venue to make sure there's enough people to come in and make a grand appearance. No. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, he desires to come. 
Matter of fact, he stands at the door of our hearts this morning. He stands at the door of every church. He stands at the door of every gathering. And he, and he knocks and he said, if any man hears my voice and opens the door. Think about it this morning. We come together. We gather in God's house. We hear the reading of scripture, the um, explanation, the exhortation, the application to our lives. But Jesus would always say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I said last week, the devil is working so hard to stuff up our ears. To hinder us from hearing what God wants to say. And it's a battle and it's a fight. Because life, I, just, I find that life just causes there to be an accumulation of wax in our ears. And if we're not careful, we could become tone deaf to the voice of God. So Jesus said, if any man hears my voice, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Spirit of God is pleading with his people, invite Jesus in. Welcome Jesus. Let him be the welcome guest. Let him be the welcome and, and honored guest in every service that we have, that we exalt him, that we give him the glory that we worship him, that we praise him, that we please him so much that he's welcomed and he pours out his spirit among us. God, may you come with Pentecostal power and fire in the house of God. As followers of Christ, we're called to invite Jesus into all our decisions, our marriage, our family, our finances, our vacations, our ministry. Everything we do, we're called to invite him in. Anybody ever get any crazy crazy thoughts? Things they want to do, places they want to go, decisions they want to make. Aren't you glad God helps us not to respond or, or react to every crazy thought we have? But the true child of God will say, God, what is your will in this matter? And we, then we bow our hearts and we bend our wills and we say, not my will, not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. At the end of the day, it's not the will of people, it's not the will of man, but it's God's will. They invited Jesus. You see, throughout the day, we have to invite Jesus into our thoughts, into our, our heart, and into our life. It's not enough just Sunday morning. It's not enough just Wednesday life groups, as good as that all is. You know, we could even get religious and, and, and become pharisaical and just, just have the outward form of things. You know, I was reading in Jeremiah, my daily Bible reading, where, where, the, where the people of God, and, and, and Jeremiah would say the people, or God would say through Jeremiah, the people say, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. But he says, your hearts are far from me. You're in idolatry. And what they were saying was, we've got the temple. We've got the temple of God. We, we are true Israel. We are Israelites. And, and what it was was they were grasping at religious trappings that God wasn't in and that it was empty. And, and people could say, Victory Church, I'm a member. Oh, come on. Thank you for that, that laugh. That was, I'll take that as 10 amens. Amen. <laughs> 
Victory Church, I'm a member. Look at my membership certificate. Look at my baptismal certificate. Do you know that, that they don't mean anything if there's nothing behind that? If it's religious, if it's outward, and if we're bitter and unforgiving and critical and we tear down the work of God, and then we say, the temple of God, the temple of God. But you know what we need to do? Some of you might have read the little booklet about Brother Lawrence. He wrote a small little booklet, but it's power-packed. And that booklet's entitled, Practicing the Presence of God. And it's a classic in devotional circles and, 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 and amongst men of, of prayer. And, and in that short little book, and basically, uh, uh, Brother Lawrence, he learned that whatever he was doing, he learned how to practice the presence of God. And sometimes in all of life, in the menial tasks of life that don't seem so quote-unquote spiritual, Brother Lawrence would practice the presence of God. Whatever he did, he would do for the glory of God. And he was able to sanctify what was considered secular or what was not considered spiritual. He was able to sanctify it and make it significant because the presence of God was invited into whatever he did. And the second thought involved Jesus. Not only invite him, but involve him. Look at verses 3 to 5. The word of God says, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to, him, to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. It seems like that was disrespectful, but what Jesus was stating and clarifying that I must do the will of God in his way and his timing and not be influenced even by a family relationship, if you will. But look at the response of his mother. She wasn't offended. She said to, his, to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. You know, that's involving Jesus now. That's not just inviting him, but now you've got a problem. Now you've got a situation that you don't know what to do. You don't know how to deal with it. Or maybe you even do. You know, there are some things in life, there are some situations as a Christian you can find yourself in and, and you can try to make your own way and do your own thing. Maybe you're, you're single and you're desiring a spouse and you're waiting on God's timing. You know what? You're involving Jesus, but you know what? Your flesh could get in the way and I'm sure there is someone you could hook up with. quiet in here this morning, but does that make sense? I mean, I don't know if that was too edgy for some of you, but that's still true. Come on now. Maybe there's a financial need and, 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 and you're trusting God, but, but you know what? There's, there's always a way that you could finagle things and be underhanded and dishonest and make your own way. So you see, so, so you invite Jesus, you involve Jesus, but the bottom line is whatever he says, do it. We find out that there's nothing too difficult for God. Jeremiah 32, 17 tells us. Abraham declared it in, in Genesis 18, 14. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? So what does Jesus do? He tells them, instructs them to take the water pots and fill them with water. And you see, that's what he said to do. And you know what they did? They did it. I, I love, as I was thinking of this, you know, Jesus' mother said, whatever he says to you, do it. 
that just, that just rang a chord in my heart because you know what? I felt like those words were life-giving. Those words were positive. They were hopeful. They were faith-filled. Whatever he says, do it. There was, a, there was, a, there was an expectation. There was, there was faith in that, 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 that phrase. She was not helpless. She was not hopeless. And, and you, know what, you know what is so remarkable about, remarkable about this, this, this whole story? You know what's so remarkable to me? Does anybody want to know? Jesus had never done a miracle yet. There was no context. There was no history of miracles. There was nothing to look at and say, well, he did it before, he'll do it again. I've seen it before, we'll see it again. I, I, I heard that testimony, God is going to do it. There was no miracle. This was his first miracle Jesus ever did. Hallelujah. What faith. What faith. We have a book full of miracles. We have testimonies in our own life. You, I can have each and every one of you stand up and tell of the wonders of God in your life. God answered a prayer. God made a way. God blessed you. God did something for you. What testimonies that we have to go by. How much more this morning, by the grace of God, can we believe God and, and whatsoever he does, says that we do it? And you see, as we come to a close, hear my heart. I say this in all sincerity. I want you to like my preaching. I want you to enjoy the messages. I, I hope I can be a blessing to you. But you know what? If I preach the greatest message, the perfect hermeneutical process, the homileticals, homiletical process and, and structure of the message, uh, if I can get an A++ in my theology or my hermeneutics or homiletics class, homiletics is the art of preaching, if I can get an A+, or a 100+, whatever, what does that matter? If what I share doesn't cause something within you to want to reach out to God. See, because if it was great preaching, we already would have had revival. Are you kidding me? All the podcasts, all the great preaching on, on YouTube and all the TV. I mean, we have great preaching coming out of our ears. And if it was worship, my Lord, all the worship we have today, are you kidding me? I mean, we are inundated with worship bands. I mean, you got one worship band. They're the hottest thing for a few months. And then there's some other cutting-edge group coming on the scene. I mean, by the time we're singing their songs, they're on to new ones. We're outdated. I mean, we've got the greatest preaching. We've got the greatest. We've got podcasts on leadership nowadays. I mean, we've got it all. If that was the answer, we would already had revival. What point am I trying to make? All those things are fine and good. I'm not disparaging them. I'm just proving a point that they are, the purpose of those things is to cause the people of God to reach out to God. It's to cause you and I to call out to God. Open up our heart and say, God, I humble myself. God, I need you. God, come on the scene. God, we need your presence. We need your anointing. We need your blessing. We cry out to God. If that is not the purpose, I don't care how good a preacher is. I don't care how good I think I did. If that doesn't provoke something in the people of God. It is wood, hay, and stubble. It means nothing. 
I was listening yesterday on, on, on Sirius Radio. Uh, Billy Graham has a channel. All, he, he was preaching in the 60s and it was so prophetic and so relevant to today. I was saying, man, if he was alive today, I'd love to hear him. But, but he was preaching and he was talking about a four-month crusade that they had in New York City. Four months in Madison Square Garden every night or five nights a week. Thousands of people, tens of thousands of people went, thousands got saved. It was a, a move of God. I believe it was in the 60s or 70s. And you know what he said? You know, he said, you know what it was? He said it was one thing. It was prayer. It was, it was prayer. It was, it was a collective group, denominations, different churches, thousands of churches got together and they prayed. This morning, whatever he says, do it. I share this story in closing, and then I, I do want us to pray. Years ago, as many of you know, if you've been around for any length of time, you knew we needed a new roof. The roof of this building, we got quotes from eighty to $120,000. That's a lot of money. Believe you me. Now, this, this you know, obviously I'm truthful not just when I'm standing in front of the pulpit. But we did not have the money. Turn to the person next to you say, we, because it's the church. It's not me. It's not my bank account. Say, we didn't have the money. We did not have the money. That was a lot of money. and We, had, we were springing leaks all over the place. We didn't have enough buckets to catch the water. How many of you know that's a problem? We did not have the money. I don't know. We might have had a few thousand set aside week to week. Didn't have the money. A pastor from Liberia came and he ministered at this church. Pastor Zabay, many of you know, some of uh, 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 Liberian members actually were in his church in Liberia. Came to minister here around the same time we needed a roof. And while I was in my office, so we were in the, this talking, he told about his project. And, you know, they were putting a roof on. And I felt impressed to take $3,000 and give it to the ministry. What was that? That was a seed that was being sown. We had a greater need that we couldn't meet. But the words of Jesus said, What's, or Mary said, whatever he says, do. Because sometimes what Jesus says doesn't make sense. Fill water pots, fill those jugs with water, and do what? Add a little sprinkly, a little, little food coloring in and try to dupe the, the guests. They had COVID. They don't have taste, smell. They wouldn't know the difference. Fill water pots. Fill pots with water and then pour them out and you're going to get wine? That don't make sense. Give 3,000 when you need 100,000 or 80,000? It doesn't make sense. I want to challenge you this morning. Whatever he says, do it. Would you stand together with me? Can we, in our church, can we invite Jesus in our church, but in our lives, most importantly? But not only invite him, but involve him. And this morning, the Bible tells us that that was the beginning of his miracles, and he began to show his glory. How many of you want to see the glory of God? I don't, I don't want just church. I don't want just a job. I want the glory of God. Amen. So would you just move out of your seats and just take a few moments.
Would you let that be your prayer this morning? Would you welcome Jesus? And maybe there's been some areas of your life that, that you've closed him off, that you've taken control. Say, Lord, I invite you in. But not only do I invite you, I involve you in my every decision. Lord, I make you preeminent. Lord, I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness because I know you're going to add those things unto me. I don't seek those other things first. I seek you first. Come on, can we call out to God in these last few moments of this church service? We all have needs, but can we cry out for the one pressing need that the church of Jesus Christ needs both locally locally and globally, and that is an outpouring of the Spirit. That is a fresh anointing. That is a breakthrough from heaven. Come on, we need God to do it. Man cannot do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. But whatever he says, he will do it. Amen. Come on, take a few moments right now. Would you take a few moments, lift up your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Welcome him in this morning. Oh, come on, just come back to Jesus. Come on, now, I don't say this to condemn you, but I want to encourage you. If maybe you have not invited Jesus into your life, or maybe you did years ago, but you need to re-invite him, he'll come. Come on, he's meek, he's lowly of heart. He's, his whole demeanor, his whole person is one of grace and mercy. He wants to come in, fellowship with you. He wants to... Take control and show you great and mighty things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, cry out to the Lord. Hallelujah. In these few moments, in these few moments, we reach out to God. We reach out to God this morning. Oh, God, how we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Come. We invite you, Lord. We invite you as they did in that first wedding. Oh, they invited Jesus and his disciples. We invite the influence, the presence, the anointing, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We praise you this morning. We give you glory today, God. Oh, God, for when we're weak, then are we strong. God, infuse us with strength as we wait upon you. God, that, that husband, that wife that is just feels like they're at the end of their rope, God, infuse them with strength. Oh, God, that twofold cord that is about to snap. Lord, be the threefold, be the third strand that holds it all together. In the name of Jesus this morning, we cry out to you. Destroy the works of the devil today. Destroy the works of the enemy this morning, God. Let the power of your spirit work in this place. Oh, God, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, God, we trust in you. We trust in you this morning. Oh, God, our hope is in the Lord. God, we as a church turn to you. We as a people, we turn to the living God. Oh, God, we invite you. We welcome you this morning, God. We reach out to you today, God. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of God. Thank you for the blessing of God. God, we thank you. We invite you into every area. 
Oh God, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 